We've come back to this place for the joy, for the wonder, for the excitement. We come here to feel joy, sadness, love, fear, triumph. We come here to think and to have our minds challenged. When the image is framed to perfection, when the sound envelops you, when the music begins to soar, we take flight to go somewhere new, to remember where we came from, to imagine where we can go. Because in a place like this, everything feels right. Why did it have to be snakes? Get in, loser. We're going shopping. all right? Yep, two corpses. Everything's fine. I'm your huckleberry. Get away from her, you bitch. Are you not entertained? I'm going to make them an Oh, no. Eat your stuff. Oh, eat your stuff. I'll have what she's having. Welcome to another episode of In a Place Like This. I'm Chris Michael Smith, joined today by Krista Roman. Hello. Uh, how's it going today? Pretty good. Honestly, this rainy weather has me gotten feeling a little down, a little lazy, but <laughs> doing great. I'm happy to be off today. Don't have to do anything. <laughs> the the weather has been a little bit... So for, for those of you at home, I live in Southern California where we don't usually see huge storm systems, uh, but we're seeing one right now and it's kind of one of those historic ones that... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been, it's been bad. Not gonna lie, I'm... I'm not a rain person. I'm very much, I love the sun. I love warmth. So this has been really hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We almost had a hurricane a while back. We lucked out that it like got pushed further inland from us. But yeah, we almost got hit by a hurricane earlier this year, or last year rather. Yeah, I remember that. I remember being so scared. I even bought like sandbags in preparation. We were like, and happen honestly we got lucky but i feel like every i feel like everyone always hypes things up more yeah. than they actually are like even with this storm even though it's supposed to be historic i mean yeah it's bad but i feel like it hasn't reached like oh my god we're gonna die levels yet you know <laughs> like they were making it sound i think it's kind of i think it's one of those things where it's like the panic itself kind of stops the, ca the catastrophe from happening maybe yeah no that makes sense honestly it's probably exactly what we think it's going to be a much bigger thing in our heads and then it happens we're like oh okay <laughs> i mean i was about to make like a musical joke i'm like i want to just go out there and start singing in the rain but um i literally just made the joke but <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh all i need is a all i need is a light pole and an umbrella right <laughs> literally one of my favorite movies like not just musicals just one of my favorite movies ever singing in the rain it's so good but oh absolutely tell us a little bit more about yourself oh well um so, yes, my name is Krista. I am 22 years old. I have a really strong background. Not really strong, not as strong as other people, but pretty strong background in, like, theater and performing. I've been singing since I was about 10 years old. I did drama and theater all throughout middle school and high school and fell in love with that. I was even drama club president at my high school for two years. And... Yeah, I love musicals. I love movies. I'm a huge uh, movie girl. I'm at the theaters every week <laughs> with my boyfriend. We love it so much. I have two fur babies, a chihuahua and a multi-poo that I love with my whole heart. Actually, the chihuahua's gotcha day today. That's really most about me, my dogs and 
Enough for movies and theater. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. Uh, Theater kids, so was I. I was also in high school theater. Yeah, so I've done my fair share of uh, musicals and stuff. Uh, What did you have a favorite like performance that you got to do? Oh my gosh, I loved. I know it's so like I loved all of them, but I think my favorite ones were my junior and senior year. Um, we my junior year we did Into the Woods, and I was Rapunzel, and that was just so much fun to basically run around screaming and crying. If you've seen Into the Woods, like the oh, stage course. show before, yeah, yeah. she's just like screaming and crying the whole time. It was so much fun, um, and also that's how me and my boyfriend started dating because I was Rapunzel and he was Rapunzel's prince. Oh, um, that's cute, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so of course, because of that, that's like my number one. But my number two, my senior year, we did Lucky Stiff, and that was the first time I got like the an actual like lead role. Um, and it was just really fun to kind of go from being like the like ensemble slash like you know um, supporting characters to actually going into that lead role and how much it was a lot harder work obviously because I had choreography and I had a lot more singing I had to do and things like that. But it was also just the show Lucky Stiff is so much fun. I'm not sure if I said that the show was Lucky Stiff. Lucky Stiff. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I've heard of that one actually. Surprisingly. Oh, it is so much fun. It's about an English like shoe salesman who um, he finds out that his only living relative um, was an, a distant uncle he had never met. Um, the uncle had passed away and had left him like a large fortune. But in order for him to get the money, he had to take his uncle's dead corpse around um, Italy. No, I don't. Why don't, why don't I, I It's probably one of the most important parts of the show and I can't remember <laughs> what life me where they were but he has to take his dead corpse around this part and then my character her name was Annabelle she um was part of a non-profit for um dogs and he had also promised part of his fortune like to make a large donation to this non-profit so my job was to try and make sure that they fail at um you know taking the corpse all around the area so that we can get the money basically oh. And um, then, spoiler, my character ends up falling in love with the shoe salesman. Aww. And, yeah, it's just, it's so much fun. It's so cute. My whole solo was about how I don't need a man and I only need a dog. And it's it was glorious. It was great. <laughs> I'm going to need to look into that musical. I, that, that sounds really fun. It's so fun. There is a movie of it, a uh, movie version with Jason Alexander in it um, on Amazon Prime. I think you do have to pay for it, but... It's really good. <laughs> I will definitely be checking that out. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just, it's it's kooky. It's funny. It's it's just, it's really fun and campy. <laughs> Do you happen to have a favorite movie? Not just musical, but movie in general. Could be a musical, though, if you want. Yeah. So I always say my favorite movie is The Princess Bride, just because that's, like, my number one comfort movie. It really is a perfect movie, honestly. <laughs> right? Like, nothing, like, I feel, like, sad. Or even, like, honestly, whether, like, today where I just need, like, something cozy to make me feel, like, good inside. That's the movie I'll put on. But also within the, I feel like it's so basic to say, but Barbie, that, like, I feel like changed me as a woman. And it just made me feel so seen. So I feel, and I also now own it on DVD, um, so I feel like that might slowly become the new number one. <laughs> Honestly, I love Barbie. We I just recorded an episode on it earlier in the season. It's I'm so happy for its success at the Oscars. Um, 
Even yeah. without like the directing and best actress nominations, I feel like uh, one one nomination for America Ferrera, who was absolutely fantastic. The songs were the original songs. There was even one that I'm just like, that one didn't get nominated. The the dance song, dance uh, dance the night. Dance the night. Oh yes. <laughs> but no, it was so good. Like visually, just astounding. Like the use of color, the fact that they weren't afraid to make it bright, colorful, not like drab and realistic lighting or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I feel like they just they made it their own and also so quintessentially female that it was just it just spoke to all of us women everywhere in a way that no movie ever has before. And I just I love it so much. It's it's amazing. Is there anything really else you'd is. like to briefly geek out about before we begin our episode? Um no, let's just get into the musicals. That's what I'm ready to geek out about. Perfect. That's fair <laughs> enough. I don't have a skull or bones. So may we start. So may we start. All right. So I just kind of want to go into like why we love musicals, like sort of like a brief history uh, of musicals on film. Because they kind of like came with the advent of sound on film. Like one of the, one of the uh, first uh, best picture winners at the Oscars didn't age in super great, but it's called the Broadway Melody. You have like the Busby Berkeley musicals, which like really utilize what you could do with a movie with choreography and staging and dancing. And it's, I recently saw, oh, what, I forgot, I think it was a 42nd Street and just, yeah, you don't even see choreography like that today anymore. It's just bonkers, like stuff like that. Big, lavish productions. Of course, you have your Disney animation musicals, uh, hybrid musicals, and things like that. Then you have, like, the modern musical, because we're still we're still sort of doing it, but now we're sort of trying to hide it. Yeah, see, that is kind of, that is what I've been excited to talk about, is I feel like, especially the ones that have come out most recently, um, and we did talk to, about this, like, briefly in our text, was... Yeah. The Color Purple and Mean Girls, and how they did not market it as a musical whatsoever. Like, yeah, the trailer had the My Name is Regina George whole thing, but like, not every, like you don't think that, oh, because of that, it's gonna, unless you already know the musical, you don't think that that's gonna be a musical, you know? Yeah, it's Sorry. so weird. Cause like, I, I don't envy the job of the trailer editors for that because you have to try to make this movie look appealing, but you're not allowed to use the very thing that would make it look appealing, which is the musical aspect of it. Exactly. And you know, and it led to this whole trend. I don't know if you saw on like TikToks and stuff where, because the first song is Katie's song, um, Stupid with Love in the movie. So, like, when she starts singing, the whole theater just goes like, ah! Because <laughs> they didn't know <laughs> that's what they were getting into. And that makes me sad because, I mean, the musical itself is great. I saw it when it was at the Pantages Theater Same. last year. Oh, my God. It was it was phenomenal. That, like, I had already, like, somewhat enjoyed the soundtrack before. But after watching the state, like, the musical live, I became obsessed with it. So when they said this movie was coming out, I was so flipping excited. Yeah, I but remember seeing like, it on the, the, the Playbill. Like, they, they announced it on the Playbill that the movie, or I think it was under, like, Tina Fey's blurb, because she was a producer on the musical, 
uh, that she was the screenwriter for the movie version of the musical. That was, and it was like so quiet. It was just kind of like hidden in the playbills. Like, hey, by the way, there's there's this movie coming out based on this musical. Maybe go see it. That's amazing. See, like to me, I'm I'm such a bad like person. I like I didn't read the playbill. I use I'll keep it. I'll keep them. But I I didn't read it, so that makes sense. Um, but I remember hearing whispers about it because I've also been a fan of Renee Rapp since she originated or she originated was the role of Regina on Broadway. I remember watching clips for her being like, the, like when she would sing World Burn and stuff and when she would do her opt up and I was, I remember loving it. And I followed some of like her pop music as it started to come out too. So like when they had said that she was going to be reprising her role as Regina for the movie, I was stoked. I was so stoked. <laughs> nice. That, that yeah, it, it's great when they do pull someone who was like actually in the show before. Side note, um, the discussion from here actually went into um, actors reprising their roles on the screen or not doing so, which incidentally singled out a specific actor. Uh, I was basically being funny at the time, and I didn't realize until like a moment later that I was kind of being uh, not very nice about that uh, particular actor. Uh, it's not in the spirit of the podcast for me to throw shade at anyone, really, uh, unless they deserve it. And I don't think in this particular instance they deserved it. So I've actually cut that part of the conversation out. However, uh, it's it does lead into more interesting conversations about the differences between stage and screen acting and actors following up uh, iconic performers Uh leading into, say, uh, Carrie Underwood uh, doing her uh, part in The Sound of Music, which led into a discussion about how hard it is to follow up Julie Andrews. Uh, so I'm going to kind of skip to that part of the discussion because that uh, is really interesting, and we did bring up some really good and relevant things there. Oh, but no, literally. I feel like also playing a role like Maria, though, having a, any role where you have to follow up to Julie Andrews, I feel like is so much harder because that's Julie freaking Andrews. Yeah, no, <laughs> you, you can't just like, I don't know, Julie Andrews, I, I, she's she's pretty much aware that like she has that presence that is really hard to live up to. That's also why she didn't want to show up in Mary Poppins Returns. I think she was supposed to be the part that was given to Angela Lansbury, or she was considered for that part, but she didn't want to upstage Emily Blunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? That makes sense because Emily Blunt did amazing. I loved Mary Poppins Returns. I think she did a really great job. I feel I know I'm in, probably in the minority when I say that I love Mary Poppins Returns. So it gets a re I've I've seen like a lot of people talking smack online, but I thought it was great. I loved, I loved Emily Blunt, Lin Manuel Miranda, but I feel like definitely if Julie Andrews was in there, that definitely would have showed up you know emily blunt so i feel like even dick van dyke even being in there for a little bit was like <gasps> yeah. you know <laughs> and I, I was thinking about that for at least half the movie afterwards <laughs> even La angela lansbury was a nice surprise it was sort of like the bed knobs and broomsticks connection yeah yeah another another, another icon <laughs> right <laughs> I was really thinking about like why studios are actively trying to hide the fact that they're making musicals uh, and I was kind of thinking about how a few of them in the past few years did not do well financially. Um, you have movies like Cats, which was, for me, I, I'm, I'm, I know for sure I'm in the minority on this. I've definitely had people give me looks when I've admitted to this. I loved Cats. 
Uh, for me, I'm like one of those people where it's like, if I see someone take a big swing in a movie, um, even if that swing doesn't necessarily hit, I'm going to respect that swing. And Cats was a huge swing. Uh, it was also a catastrophic miss. But <laughs> I, I, for me, I feel like if you kind of look past the Uncanny Valley elements of it, the how weird the cats looked with the CGI makeup hybrid, um, I thought it was pretty well done. Like, yeah, I, I don't know, I thought the acting was good. I thought the choreography was good. Uh, some of the visual choices that were made were questionable, but I'm like, at least there were choices, though. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like they definitely said, we're going for it. You know, like, this is what we're doing, and we're going to give it our 100%. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, I've never seen Stage Musical or the movie or any of it. I know the one song from Cats, and just was never a show I got into. But I have heard that the movie... There's a YouTuber that I actually really enjoy that he says that it's a masterpiece, that it's one of his favorite movies of all time. It's, <laughs> and it's that good. might be, like, ironic that he says it like this. We might be saying it to be funny. But, like, like the people that enjoy it, they like like you said, they really enjoy it. They they understand that, yeah, it's kind of a mess, especially in, like, society standards. But I feel like there's definitely people who enjoy the musical cast and, you know, like I said, like can enjoy can find enjoyment in like the movies that a lot of people don't like. I can see why it would be, you know, a lot of people's tops. <laughs> yeah, and it has found its own niche audience. Myself being part of it, I'm I'm like I will swear by cats. I'm one of those people who thinks like you know, give it maybe like five or six more years, people are going to be coming around to it and realizing, oh, you know what, we were kind of harsh on this one, maybe because. That that happens now. We, we're we're seeing movies that like were poorly reviewed ten years ago. People are coming back to it, going, "Oh, actually, this was good." Like most recently, oh, yeah. I think the movie uh, Jennifer's Body, for instance, a lot of people are rediscovering that one and realizing, "Oh, this poorly reviewed movie is actually good." Yeah. And, oh my god, that makes me kind of sad because I love Jennifer's Body. I think I was definitely way too young when I was showed it for the first time, <laughs> but. Megan Fox became like one of my first big celebrity crushes because of that movie, and I loved it. I love the song "Panic at the Disco" did for um, the, the soundtrack too. <laughs> I love the movie forever. So whenever people gave it like, like gave it a bad rap, I was always like, just give it a chance, just give it a chance. So I am happy now that it's like get, getting its redemption, but it does make me a little the the little bit of gatekeeping in me is like, no, it's my movie. <laughs> But also, I feel like that's happening a lot, too, with um, Twilight, you know? Like, I feel like you were so lame for liking Twilight back when it was coming out. And, like, only the weird girls like Twilight. And I was definitely one of those weird girls that loved it. But now they have a makeup line. And they have, like, you can find merch basically anywhere. And everyone loves Twilight. Yeah, it's definitely... That one has also found, like... An, I mean, it was a huge hit when that came out, obviously. But, like, now it's coming around, like... Maybe not to full respectability, but people are like, I see it. It's, it, this is a good movie. Um, I was definitely one of the ones who sort of like uh, shoved it off. But now looking back on it and like seeing it recently, I'm like, you know, what? I can see why this was popular. This was, there's something here. <laughs> yeah, it definitely spoke to all of the tween and teenage girls of that time. Like it was supposed to. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I get sidetracked. I'm like looking back at my outline, like, okay, back to the. (laughs) Yeah, no, this was a problem when I first started the podcast. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start outlining so I have something to go back to. Another musical that flopped, which might have led to them trying to hide the fact that it was a musical. It breaks my heart that this one flopped because it was actually my favorite movie from that year, uh, In the Heights. 
I know. And to me, I think In the Heights flopped because of COVID. Like, that's literally why it didn't make money. And, like, all these think pieces were going out. It's like, well, what does this mean for uh, movies starring Latin American actors? And it's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) That's not why it flopped. It's literally COVID. Like, nobody was going to the movies at that time. And also, you could watch it on HBO for free at the same time. Like, for me, the people who were watching the movie when it came out were watching it at home instead of in theaters, and they weren't taking that into account either. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like that was also during that weird time, because also where, because um, remember with Black Widow, too, like how it happened, like, they um, they weren't counting streaming towards the movie's success. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember that made me really worried, because as a Mexican-American, as a Latino... I was so excited for the Heights to come out. I, I like I'm a big fan of Limon Miranda. I loved the soundtrack to In the Heights um, before I had even seen the movie, so I was super thrilled. And it came. It was great. The choreography was beautiful. I feel like the cinematography of it was great. I feel like it captured that idea of community, especially in like barrios and in like um, the Latin American communities. I feel like it captured all of that so beautifully, and. I remember being worried too, like you said, like what does this mean for predominantly Latino works that are gonna enter media now? Like I feel like because it's flopped so bad, they're gonna think, oh, we don't care about it, you know, and it's just not gonna happen. But I feel like, like you said, like we haven't seen anything like it since because it flopped. But I feel I don't like that it's we've missed that opportunity. Yeah, because it's I, just timing. It's really timing. Yeah, it and came again, out the worst possible. I remember I went to the theaters to watch it, and I went to the AMC in Fullerton, and, you know, I feel like because they have less seats there, usually you can go to a pretty full show. It was, like, maybe us and three other groups. I, 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 that was, like, also that year Warner Brothers was just doing, like, the simultaneous releases of their movies. So, like, a movie comes out in theaters, but if you have HBO Max, you can watch it at home. And that's what was that also was a factor, I think. Like, and it wasn't even like Disney because Disney, you had to like pay a premium price for Warner Brothers. If you had HBO Max, you had the movie. I think that also affected uh, The Matrix when that came out a few months before. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, I mean, I understand why they did it, because, of course, they were like, stay safe. Don't go out in public. You know, like understandable. But I feel like it definitely that closed a lot of doors for a lot of really good movies or franchises that could have developing more i didn't see the last matrix just because i heard it was like i i didn't hear great things and i haven't really been a big in the into the matrix since i first watched the movies when i was maybe like 12 so um but i feel like they definitely probably could have relaunched the franchise if it had done a little bit better it was a it was an interesting I, i knew for a fact when they did it it wasn't a good business model but at the same time it's like well what options do you have when people aren't going to the movies. Like, you're gonna, yeah, you gotta recoup those losses somehow, and streaming was, at the time, like, one of the only ways you could do that. Another flop that came out, uh, the same year as, was it the same? Yeah, I believe it was the same year as In the Heights. And I think this one flopped because the audience got a little cynical about it, and that was Dear Evan Hansen. You know what? I do have some thoughts about Dear Evan Hansen, because I love Dear Evan Hansen. It was the first musical I ever saw live like on stage oh. you know my um my boyfriend took me um he got me us tickets for christmas like um during high school and he took me and so i've always had this really strong love for Dear Evan hansen yeah the story is not great evan 
as a character, not great. But the music, I've always loved the soundtrack. And so when the movie came out, I was hyped, except for my one thing with it is Ben Platt. Yes, he does great with Evan Hansen on stage. Like, he plays a great Evan, but he's too old. And he just looked like a decade older than everybody else in the movie. Like, it was not believable that he was 16, 17, however old he was supposed to be, like, at all. And I feel like that just really took me out of it. I... I kind of, like, I'm at that age right now where I'm, like, I stopped trying to guess how old people are. So, for me, like, Ben Platt, as a high schooler, I was able to suspend that disbelief enough for the movie. I do think that the right thing to do would have been to promote another actor to that role to sort of, like, boost their career a little bit. Absolutely. No, like, um, definitely someone that I really wanted to see was Andrew Barthelman. I actually saw him play Evan on the tour when I watched it back in high school. And again, I've been in love with him ever since. And he was even in high school musical, the musical, the series. He was in that movie uh, with Jen- with um, Jennifer Lawrence this past year. I don't know why I'm blanking on what it's called. Oh, um, no hard feelings. Yeah. No hard feelings. Oh, he would have been yeah, perfect. Like he is like for film, he would have been the perfect Hanson. I, but Unfortunately, Ben Platt's got that Nepo baby in him, so of course, the part. <laughs> Unfortunately, I get it. He, that was the role that he made. That was like his major Broadway success story was that one. But oh, yeah, I, I do feel like because Lin Manuel didn't cast himself as the lead in In the Heights, he was in it, but he was like, you know, side character. Yeah, he was a guy. Yeah. <laughs> It would have been the right thing. Like, Ben Platt could have shown up as a different character, maybe one of the teachers or something, like a cameo appearance. That that would have been fine. Uh, again, I thought he did fine in the movie. I was able to suspend disbelief. I still enjoyed the movie, but I do see, like... For me, it wasn't so much that he looked kind of older. Because I've seen... I remember being in high school and seeing, like, this person looks 30. You know, like... <laughs> I, I've, I've seen that happen. But um, it was more the fact that, well... You 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 have yours. You you're already established. You, somebody else could do exactly. this. Exactly. It could have given like somebody else an opportunity to like to highlight a new voice, like with Mean Girls is doing right now. Like we're finally getting like Renee Rapp, Avantika, and Gowie Rice, um, even Chris Brandy, Like all these people who yes, they had some recognition before, but they are really really entering the spotlight now. Because of this movie. Yeah. And they're blowing up. And, like, we could have done that for Andrew Barthelman. And I think No Hard Feelings is kind of giving is giving him his flowers now for that. But he could have risen up to stardom so much earlier. Yeah. And the movie probably would have done better, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because that was everyone seeing, just from the trailers, how much older Ben looked compared to everyone else. I remember seeing all the memes. And I think that just before... The movie didn't have a chance before it even came out. Yeah, and then, of course, not being able to suspend that disbelief got people to look into the plot of the movie and being like, that's what it's about? (laughs) Yeah. No, literally. Like, the story... I mean, it's it's a great story about, you know, learning the consequences of your actions. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, people see kid lying about another kid who committed suicide, and it's like, oh, never mind. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, well, he's a high schooler who made a bad decision. I mean, that's kind of realistic, if you ask me. That's Oh, literally, who didn't do something stupid or say something stupid when they were 16, 17? I'm an adult, and I make bad choices. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
And the movie, it definitely still, there are parts of it that are enjoyable to me. But it is really hard for me to just suspend that disbelief, you know, to be like, oh, he just, just watch it, you know? Because I just, it cracks me up to see, like, you know, him and, like, I can't remember the actor's name who plays Zoe. And just, to, they look like they have, like, an eight-year age gap and they're, like, falling in love. And, like, for me, it's just, it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was also, um, I do think the, they did add a couple of original songs to that movie, which I thought were really good. Um the one that really hit me, and I and that's this is one of the reasons why I love the movie was the song, uh, the anonymous ones. Mm, yeah, I love that one. However, it did make me sad that it had replaced disappear. Yeah, disappear is one of my favorites. Just like melodically, like as as a former choir kid too, to hear the disappear, disappear in the background, like I've always found it really pretty, and I was excited to see how they would do that in the movie. But to see replaced me out a little bit, but the anonymous ones was a really good song and i feel like amanda Steinberg. i didn't know she could sing yeah so to hear her sing that song, i was like wow okay girl get it you not, know? not only <laughs> it did she good. sing it she co-wrote the song too like she's credited with writing helping write the song hey. with, with uh um oh gosh what's their name the the songwriters um oh ben is ben Pasek and paul justin something uh, i think uh justin paul Justin Paul. Yeah, yes. Yes. We got it. No, I have the memory of a walnut. I'm yeah. sorry. That cynicism kind of like caused it to not do as well as uh, the studios hoped. So I kind of feel like the series of flops had studios afraid of admitting they made a musical. And Absolutely. it's yeah. weird too, because sometimes like it would make sense for a movie to be a musical. Like when they hit it on Wonka, I had no idea Wonka was a musical until people started using it in the conversation of Hollywood's trying to hide that they're making musicals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Wonka was actually surprisingly a really good musical too. But yeah. I was when he first started singing, the first I was literally like, "Oh, I didn't know." Like I wasn't mad, obviously, but I was like, "I didn't know this was the kind of movie I was going into." But okay. <laughs> it, for me, it's like studios are. I mean, there's a long history of studio executives uh, learning the wrong lessons from movies that succeeded and movies that didn't succeed. I think at the end of the day, they're like, there are movies that failed maybe because of marketing was bad or because it wasn't the right time or because of like one choice was made here that kind of uh, ruined it for its entire run. It wasn't the fact that it was a musical. Like, The Greatest Showman was a huge hit. And that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. No, literally, and to be fair, I feel like I can understand where, because I feel like musicals get such a bad rap in society. No, like, I feel, I, I'm the only person in my, like, family that likes musicals like that. Like, all the time I've gotten made fun of, like, oh, musicals suck. Or anytime I try to get my family to watch musicals, like, ew, no, they'll turn it off, you know? So, like, I get why, but at the same time, I feel like it takes away from what you've just made. Yeah. You know, like you spent all that time recording the music, um, choreographing the dance numbers, shooting it to, you know, make it just right. And then you're going to cut out an entire piece that you just made just so it's a little bit more marketable. Yeah. Like, I don't like that. <laughs> well, even like Mean Girls, which I love Mean Girls, uh, but it kind of felt like it was even the movie itself kind of felt like it was afraid to be a musical at times. Cause I noticed they cut a few songs from the show 
There, there were a few moments where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see how they filmed this scene, and they just didn't do it. I, I, I do think, personally, the way they shot the song Sexy was amazing. The entire party <laughs> sequence. And I, that's, I think that's probably my favorite song in the soundtrack anyway, because I just love the way Karen is presented in the musical version. Yeah, no, she's so... I love that they've kept that dumbness about her, but they've made her goofy. It's like, it just, it feels so, like, it just, it, feel, it feels so quirky and funny, but it's still, like, she's like, ah, uh, like, I'll cure sex cancer. <laughs> I did it! <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, like, there were even moments in the musical with her character that they kind of, like, cut out, where it's, like, her introduction song, my name is Karen, I may not be smart. That's, That's it. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i wish they had done that or like and like um because of course they did it with the with regina but then we missed out on that one we missed out on gretchen's intro song too like we didn't even mention anything about her hair and how it's so big because it's full of secrets yeah <laughs> then there's like because the musical does has a great use of the rule of threes joke where uh the movie has the first part of it because you do get the what's wrong with me song but in the musical it comes back two more times and it's like increasingly funny every time it comes up. Like the third the third time I believe it's Regina's mom who sings it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I do recommend seeing the stage version. The movie's great too. I do recommend seeing the movie, but the stage version, if you have a chance, I highly recommend it. It's it it uh, obviously better, but you know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it does I feel like so I feel like the movie has so I'm coming at this from a very unique perspective of of course, loving the musical on stage, but also, um, I watched the movie Mean Girls every single Saturday for the entire seventh and eighth grade. Me and I used to sleep over at my best friend's house, and we would watch Mean Girls and White Chick back to back every <laughs> single Saturday. So I know that movie. I know Mean Girls scene for scene, beginning to end, word for word. So I feel like this mo the movie of like the musical did a really good job of kind of marrying the original movie and the musical um in that like you know like katie for example a lot of people are hating on and gary rice's um version of katie because she's a lot more toned down than on the stage but if you look at the original movie katie's character i mean obviously she's a homeschool girl from africa she's very especially at the beginning she's very shy she's very reserved to herself she doesn't know what she's doing and I feel like and Gary Rice did a good job of kind of capturing that shyness and reservedness that kind of escalates into more confidence throughout the movie, as opposed to right off the bat being like, like stage is supposed to be. You yeah, know? yeah, I could see that. Yeah, at first I was kind of like, she seems really like toned down very, but then like towards, uh, as the movie progresses, she does get louder. She does get like, she gets that confidence and she gets she becomes a mean girl herself and it's like, oh, okay, so it was a character arc thing. Got it. <laughs> exactly. You see, I feel like a lot of people are giving her a time, but I feel like it's perfectly, it's, yes, it's to the music and the musical, but we're seeing a recreation of Lindsay Lohan's Katie. Yeah. And starting off as that small African homeschool girl and then turning into just hardcore Teflon bitch. <laughs> 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 and I, I'm glad to see uh, Ali uh, Cravajo. Uh, seeing her in a live action role. She was great. I loved her. Absolutely. 
Do I have you ever seen? There's a show that came out a couple of years back that she did right after Moana. It was called I think it was called Rise. Oh, um, I think I remember that. Yeah, and they, it was like she. It was only one season. She was in it, and it was also the guy from How I Met Your Mother, and they were a high school troop doing um, Spring Awakening. Yeah, and she, oh my gosh, she did so good. She sang the Mama over me. She sang that song, and it's one. Of, it's my favorite version of the song. Like more than Leah Michelle, which is a big thing. <laughs> so I like I I've, I've been following her for a really long time, and so to see her kind of when I heard she was being cast with Janice too, I was immediately like, yes, that's going to be amazing. And she, I feel like she was, I mean, of course Renee Rapper, but I feel like she was definitely one of the standout performances of this movie. Like the when she was just throwing off her middle fingers everywhere, and I'd yes. rather be me. I was like, go off, queen, right. <laughs> so vocally she is so talented and i just think there's nobody that could have picked better for the movie i agree with that honestly i think we kind of covered quite a few musicals was there any any other musical you'd like to like uh do a quick deep dive into um i know we texted a little bit about repo the genetic opera i would love to be able to talk about those dark crazy musicals for a second i do love uh, repo was very interesting repo the genetic opera directed by uh let me darren lynn bowsman who also before that did saw two and you could kind of see that like picture that sensibility but as a musical <laughs> and you have repo the genetic exactly. opera <laughs> it is campy it is sexy it is everything it's i mean it is a little bit much for especially for somebody who for someone who is into musicals, you might watch it and be like, what the f*** am I watching? What is this? But, um, you know, for, for somebody who can appreciate, you know, your sides of the of media, I feel like it's just so great. The the gore, if you like gore, you know, if you if you love rock, especially if you love a good rock, like opera, yeah, I guess you could say opera. Even, like, Paris Hilton, like, the, the you would never think that someone like Paris Hilton could perform a musical, but she slays as Amber Sweet. Right? She's, like, she, she was, yeah, she was so many people's, like, first crushes, mine included, like, she, she, one of the first times I was like, oh, I might like women was Paris <laughs> Hilton as Amber Sweet. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so good. Um, I love, I love weird musicals like that. Obviously, you know, you have the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Which I, I feel like this is like a spiritual su successor to that, even though Rocky Horror is still like going strong and having its midnight screenings. Oh, yeah. No, um, I live right next to the Frida Cinema, and My every favorite. month they'll do like a shadow cast of Rocky Horror. And <laughs> it's, it's sold out almost every month. It's still very, very much, you know. Uh, there was the... another movie by Darren Lynn Bowsman. It was like a short, but it can't, I got to go see a screening of it. Uh, in L.A. when it was originally released. It's called The Devil's Carnival. Oh. It's the same style. Um, it's a musical that takes place in hell. And I haven't seen the other ones. It's, I feel, I believe it's a trilogy. And they're like an hour each. Um, it's wild. It's, if you like Repo, The Devil's Carnival is like right in that wheelhouse. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to look into that. Okay. No, I... Yeah, I watched Repo for the first time when I think I was like eight years old. <laughs> so definitely way too young to understand what's happening. But um, as I got older, I feel like kind of like, you know, see, you know, as I have peers who can like, unfortunately have fallen into drugs or like, you know, or even as I just see plastic surgery everywhere. 
throughout society. It's like, I don't want to be dramatic, but like, it's just, it's interesting to see the parallels that it holds into our society today and to understand the impacts that beauty standards and capitalism and things like that hold in our society. And I think they were just, they're reflected so well in Repo in that like this dystopian future of everyone, you need plastic surgery and it's just, it's a fad and everyone gets it. And if you don't pay off your surgery, they will kill you and they will repossess whatever part you got inserted into you. (laughs) And it's, crazy even like throughout the throughout like the the movie i guess you see like people a guy who got like his spine ripped out like he was or like people who got like organs ripped out that could have been something that like they needed so i feel like it also talks about how like you know talks about like wealth gaps and how the the people in the lowest positions of society who those are in poverty and how they can't keep up with the way that society is moving and how you know they just literally get killed and left behind yeah it's like it, it was a movie with a lot to say, even though it, like it's remembered as a camp classic, which of course it is. It really is a camp oh, classic, yeah. huge cult following. Um, I feel like they could get away with midnight showings on this one too. I'm a little surprised they don't actually. Yeah, I mean, I know they just did for the first time in a while. They did a sh- another shadow cast like they do with Rocky here at the Frida Cinema. I didn't get to go, but um, I heard it had a really great turnout, and that they might want to do more in the future. I hope that they do. I would. I feel like 100% go to that. Oh, no, literally. It definitely, it deserves more of its flowers than it has. There's too many people that I know that are fans of musicals that have never even heard of it. Yeah. And I I know that, like, if you show, it's like not one of those movies you could show to someone without context either, because they'll, uh, I've, I I have a group of friends that I guess one of them tried that and um, the rest of the group was not receptive of it. So if you don't yeah. know what you're getting into, it could be um, it, it could be something that kind of backfires. I kind of got, I get the vibe. Uh, have you seen Dicks the musical? Not yet, but I really want to. Uh, it's extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> I was not prepared oh. for how uncomfortable that movie was going to be. Uh, to the point where I'm like, this is like a. I know Hairspray is based on a John Waters movie, but this is like if John Waters made a musical is the vibe I was getting from that. Interesting. And like, in what way, if you're my asking? It kind of like, it gets really weird to the point where it's like uncomfortably weird. It it, it plays with, I don't, it's hard to do it without spoiling the movie, but like something happens towards the end of the movie where you're just staring at the screen going, what, how is this allowed? (laughs) How was any of this allowed? Is it like, are we talking like Saltburn kind of, is this allowed or worse? Oh, worse. <laughs> worse than Saltburn? Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking like, watch it now. <laughs> I'm thinking like, uh, I had, the last time I had felt this shocked by a movie, it was uh, John Waters' uh, Pink Flamingos. Like, again, I was not prepared going in. Um, but it's a bonkers, over-the-top movie, Dick's the musical, and the songs actually go really hard. The songs are really, really well written. So there's like some care. And it is based on an off-Broadway musical. So it's not like they just threw this wild thing together on a whim. Um, uh-huh. My understanding is, at least watching the end credits scene, because they show a, a clip of the stage version, It, I think the off-Broadway version is a two-man show. But they expanded the movie out so you'd have more of a cast. And there's like this cool blooper reel where like Nathan Lane is like, this is like 
one of the most humiliating things anyone has ever had me do as an actor. Nathan Lane said that? Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> it's extremely I like I, I'm like shocked it avoided an NC seventeen rating. Okay, you you convinced me. I have to go watch it now. <laughs> yeah. Just just heads up, it's very uncomfortable. Okay. But yeah, it's, I, I do love those weird off-kilter musicals. There was also Annette a couple years ago with uh, uh, Adam Driver and uh, Marion Cotillard. That one was weird because it's like an art house musical. Okay. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch it, so tell me about it. Uh, so it's an art house musical in a sense that it's the the director, Leos, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, Carax. I had to watch some of his movies in film school. Very, uh, it's a story of, like, these two celebrities, the celebrity couple. One of them's a stand-up comedian. The other one's, like, a big opera singer. They get together. They have a baby. The baby is represented in the entire movie by a puppet, like a wooden puppet. And it's one of those things that's never addressed by anyone. And It just, it just happens. It just exists. It's just there. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it was, like, an actual choice made by the director. Like, this baby is now a puppet. The puppet, the baby's name is Annette. And it this seeming love story turns into a movie about uh, someone who... It becomes a murder story. It becomes, like, uh, a story about, like, abuse and, like... And it gets really dark. And, again, it's, it's definitely made for adults. Another one of those movies where I'm like, how did this avoid an NC-17... And it's weird. It is a weird movie. A lot of it's one of those that's weird enough that people get put off by it. Where it's like, oh, this isn't what I expected, so I don't like it. Mm, I get you. I hate that. I wish people could like just take a movie for what it is and enjoy it for what it is. So I I get challenged on a lot because I love a lot of notoriously bad movies because I just I'll take movies for what it is not for what I'm expecting it to be so I wish people would do that more because this sounds interesting yeah like the whole idea of the puppet and of the you know I, I feel like Adam Driver always does a good job with any kind of like role where he has to be abusive unfortunately I feel yeah. like he just plays those kinds of roles really well <laughs> and the music was so. done by the Sparks Brothers who honestly I had never heard of them before last year but apparently they are like such a mainstay of music. And it's wild because the same year that movie came out, a documentary about them also came out. And they're going through all of these songs that they did that inspired all of these rock bands and pop bands and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'd never heard the song before. And I don't know how that happened. Like, it almost feels like the this fictional band was created out of nowhere and, like, suddenly is the inspiration for, like, everything. But no, apparently they're an actual band and they did the music for Annette. Do you know, like, off the top of your head, like, any songs they would have done that we might know? Wonder Girl, Girl from Germany, Talent is an Asset. There's a song called Everybody's Stupid. And if you listen to the songs, you know the vibe, you know the sensibility. They came around, like, in the 80s. So it was like, they, they've been around. They're like a mainstay of music, but, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I've never heard that name before. It makes me a little sad. Yeah. And then, like, you watch the documentary about them, too. I'm like, wow, this is great. Like, how have I never heard of them? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure they've just been silently in the background of many things that many people love, you know? Yeah. And then I had to look it up, too. I, I even, like, looked it up right now. I'm like, wait, they are a real band, right? This wasn't, like, Spinal Tap or something like that, where it's, like, they were made up for a movie. No, they're real. <laughs> wow. I have to look them up. <laughs> 
for Annette? They did write the music for Annette. And uh, it does sound like something out of the... the it sounds like... Um, it reminds me of, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber's style of, like, uh, Phantom of the Opera, where it's, like, kind of synthesized. And it is a rock opera, by the way. Like, very synthesized oh, okay. music and stuff like that. Does it have, like, that 80s vibe, like you were saying, to it as well? Or, um, like, the more more of that rock opera leaning it's a mix of both like it's somewhere in the middle yeah we really did like i had a couple other musicals on here and i'm like wow we really did spend a lot of time on like and we did cover quite a few musicals today too so i'm like i'm gonna have to do another episode on this soon like <laughs> it's my favorite genre so i 100 percent would do another musical episode no i mean if you want to i would be so happy to come back oh, I, of course. I can talk musicals all day i feel like this is they've been around for so long and I feel like they've just, they've stretched so many generations that, like, everybody has at least one mu movie musical that they grew up loving. Yeah. You know? You can't go wrong with a good movie musical. Yeah. And the whole idea of, like, trying to trick people into seeing uh, musicals, I've only ever seen one musical succeed at doing that, and that was Once. And it's, like, the reason that one got away with it, though, is because you can make the case that it's kind of not... It's like a hybrid in that it's about musicians. The music is coming from instruments that you could clearly see on the screen. There's a reason they're playing the instruments. But there are certain things that happen where it's like, oh, they're breaking into a song, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> immediately she knows the song that he's playing for her for the first time enough that she's able to harmonize with him and know all the lyrics. <laughs> I remember yeah, I showed okay. it to uh, one of my friends who's not a fan of musicals. Uh, he brought it. He brought the movie back to me because I let him borrow it, and he's like, "I love this movie, but did I just watch a musical?" <laughs> that was the only time I've ever seen a movie get away with that. Yeah, and I feel like, like you said, it kind of works because they are the ones. I mean, of course, like everyone's foreign, but like they're literally they're in a bar, right? I've yeah. never seen it, but I've heard how it's like. Yeah, I've heard the I have a friend who's in it right now. In the movie version, I haven't seen the stage one yet. Uh, but in the movie version, they're in, like, a, a one of those music stores. Like, he's a, sitting at a piano, she has a guitar, and then he starts playing the song, the Oscar-winning Falling Slowly. And he's singing at first, and then when she jumps in, it's like she's known this song her entire life. Yeah, I've, I've never seen the movie for that one either, but I should. Because um, I've heard a lot of good things. Yeah, it's, but, like, one um, of the, the great, like, independent movies of, like, the mid-2000s. Okay, I'll have to check it out. I'm so, I'm so bad at checking, uh, watching like newer things unless it's like in the theaters. But I will check it out along with Annette. I need to. But I feel like going back to the whole like you know movies marking themselves as not musical. Like I wish, I, I get why, but I wish they would stop because I feel like it sets unrealistic expectations. It leaves people disappointed and it leaves people like thinking negatively of a piece of work that actually is enjoyable yeah, and good. And it's a good movie musical, but it's being credited as a bad movie because it's not what they were expecting. And it's not to them. It's not a movie. It's a musical, you know? I'm also wondering like, who's this target audience that loved Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory, but would be upset if a prequel to that movie was a musical, right? And you could tell it was very obviously to Gene Wilder's yeah. Willy Wonka, and that was fully a musical. Uh, I do like that now people are like making it heard like, hey, advertise your musical as a musical, because we do want to see these movies. Yeah, 
And it's like those of us who are very much in the, you know, theater kid drama com- like communities online, we know that they're coming. But it's like when you're such a small group compared to the rest of the world. So it's like, of course, we're going to show up. We're going to be there. We're going to be excited. But then it's like, then you're met with a, you're in a room full of a bunch of people who are all disappointed. Like, yeah. In the color purple, I was so sad. People left mid movie. And I was so sad because I thought it was so brilliant. And all of the cast did such a good job. And like, even, um, oh my gosh, Sophia, I don't know why I'm blanking on the actress name, but she originated the role on Broadway. He just did such a good job. Nobody, just like how nobody else could play Regina, but Renee Rapp. I feel like nobody else could play Sophia, but Danielle, Danielle Brooks, Danielle Brooks. Oh, she was oh, great. Yeah. And the one person who got an Oscar nomination for that movie. Oh, yeah. Which makes me sad, because I think Taraji P. Henson should have been up there, too, and Fantasia as well. Oh, my God, Fantasia. I've been listening to Fantasia since I was a little girl. So when I saw that she was going to be in it, and I heard her for the first time, like, singing, like, in the movie, I almost cried. Ugh. Yeah. He was uh, brilliant. <laughs> we, we, yeah, I watched it with my boyfriend, and, like, the just... The the vocals had us in like tears. It was so good. So she's everybody they got is so so talented. I that movie could not have been if they couldn't have paid more better homage to the original film and the mu- stage musical. Yeah, it was very very well done. I thought it looked great too, and I love oh. again when you put effort into making the movie look good because lately it just kind of feels like a lot of movies don't. Like, the, like yeah. lighting and color. It's like, no, no, we want this to look drab and unrealistic. It's like, no, make it heightened. It's okay. Heighten your movies a little bit. And that's happening a lot, I'm noticing. It, it's kind of sad. I just, I love, I love a movie that is just so out of this world and just can really, I want to be sucked out of this world. I want to yeah. be put into the movie, right? And I feel like you can't do that unless you have these, like, bright colors and these amazing, like, shots and you know beautiful scenes if it looks like my world how i see it every day like i'm not being i'm not being transported like a movie's supposed to i think one of my favorite bits of like trivia that i've heard um i don't know if this is true or not i never like looked it up to confirm it um but apparently like on the set of lord of the rings sean astin asked one of the lighting coordinators where the light is originating from in the context of the movie and the guy and the guy said the same place as the music. Yeah, I like that a lot too because that, that sets the tone. The Lord of the Rings soundtrack is definitely one of the best. Like, yeah, it's my favorite <laughs> out there. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. I only have like one person send a question, so. Oh, okay. This does come from friend of the show Rico Mott. Do you feel there's been a resurgence of musicals in movies yet again? I feel like. Yes, in that we have a lot coming out right now, and I feel like getting excited for them. However, like we've been talking about, in that it's being marketed as just a regular movie. Yeah, um, people aren't no aren't realizing that that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I think with the Greatest Showman, that was like a big. It's safe to make musicals again, movie. Because that was, like, not even based on a previous Broadway show. It was, like, a movie musical, like, solid, like, pure movie musical. Then you have, like, movies like Rocket Man, which is, like, a rock biopic, but it's presented as a musical. And those are doing pretty well. Even though you had a couple of, like, flops, again, it was just, like, bad timing or certain decisions that, like, 
you can't assume an entire genre is going to fail because uh, because cats didn't appeal to everybody. <laughs> I'm very interested to see what happens when Wicked Part 1 comes out. Because everyone knows Wicked is a musical. You can't really, like, pretend that it isn't. Yes, I know there's a book that is not a musical, but it's they're doing the musical. Ariana Grande's in it, and Cynthia Erivo is uh, Elphaba. Uh, which magnificent casting. I mean, I didn't totally agree with the Ariana Grande casting at first, but I can see it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and again, like, I, 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 like, people forget that she's, like, Broadway trained, even though, like, her style of music that she's more famous for is definitely not Broadway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But did you hear what... It was, like, last early last year, I feel like, when they had leaked um, a song of... They had leaked a clip of her singing... Um, I think it was the intro to Nolan Mourns the Wicked. And everyone thought it was Kristen Chenoweth. Oh. Because of just how beautiful it was. But it was her singing. And literally, I even thought it was Kristen Chenoweth's recording that she was, like, lip-syncing to. But they confirmed later, like, like, no, that's her vocal. She just sounded... She sounded just like Kristen Chenoweth, very operatic with that high vibrato. She was getting up into those notes like like they were nothing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, of course, we know she's famous for her whistle tones. So, you know, that, of course, given. But it's just to hear her kind of shift from that R&B pop-inspired vocal to the musical theater, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think she's going to, like, I think she's going to... Um, surprise a lot of people that she can sing like that. Yeah, and th- I do think that Wicked is also like indicative of that resurgence because uh, someone looked at that and said, we can make this two movies. Yeah, and you know what? Honestly, I mean, as much as I hate that it's going to be split up, I can totally see that working. I can, I can see, I can, that you can, I can already see like it being the end of the fine gravity and then cut to black credits. That's it, you know? Yeah, and <laughs> What what I, I'm kind of excited for is that means presumably Defying Gravity is going to be in part one. They need to come up with an equally big song for part two. Yeah. Which means an original because, song. Yeah, because you can't, because I mean, the act two finale is um, for good. And while it's a brilliant song, it's way too slow. Yeah. It's a great way to end the musical, but they need, in order to get people to like be excited for part two because part one you've already seen the big song they're gonna need to come up with another big song yeah i really hope they can maybe just amp up no good deed or that too that that Uh, might work too yeah i love no good deed it's not the big banger song of act two for sure but it you know i feel like they can hype it up and really make it a beautiful sequence of her like over the pot doing the elephant mom and you know i think they could really Type it up in the cinematography to make that the big song. Not only was it authentic frontier gibberish, it expressed a courage little seen in this day and age. All right, and uh, now we have our rotating segment. I asked you uh, which one you would be interested in doing. Um, how do you feel about wrong answers only? Let's give it a roll. Maybe I could do a good job. I'm not good at improv but let's give it a try let's see unlike the last time i did this uh i actually know nothing about this movie i just found this like really wild looking movie poster (laughs) on google image search and i'm just like okay this would be a very good um i think it's more fun if i don't know anything about the movie 
Oh, absolutely. It's I'm going to put a copy of this photo in the show notes. It's a movie called Manborg. Which, do we know if this is a movie musical or just a movie? I think it's just a movie. It would be amazing if it were a musical, though. I didn't look it up or anything. I'm just like, I, I just did a quick Google Im- image search to make sure it was an actual movie and not something that somebody made up as a joke. But no, it, it's an actual movie, uh, sci-fi action. And I'm not going to, I'm going to stop reading because uh, I want to try to guess what this movie is about just by looking at the poster. So obviously, Cloud Manborg scorned lover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that mushroom cloud looks really upset. Um, not literally... This is a revenge story, for sure. Oh, yeah. So you have a Terminator-looking guy in the foreground um, with, like, a machine gun arm. What looks like 80s-style biker gang in the background. And behind them, a nuclear bomb has gone off. It has exploded into this mushroom cloud. And um, it looks like uh, the cloud makes the shape of uh, Vigo from Ghostbusters 2. That's exactly what I was thinking he looked like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. It reminds me of when he comes out of the painting. Yeah, that's what I'm getting out of this. And I'm I'm thinking, is this a spin-off of Ghostbusters? He goes revenge. That's why he's so angry. It's Vigo's revenge. Yeah. But this could be like, you know, he could have just taken way too long to get back and this is just like a post apocalyptic dystopian thing where now we have robot people. And um, 80s looking biker gangs. Yeah. He, just, he, came, back, he came back like... He, he thought he was in the right decade when he saw the biker biker gangs. And then suddenly he sees half man, half machine. Yeah. He's like, what is this? There's no babies for him to possess. They're all <laughs> robots now. Yeah. It's it's harder to possess a robot for sure. Is... What do we, what do we think of Manborg? Well, <laughs> is it like maybe... A crossover with Star Trek. Maybe he's one of the Borg, but he like didn't become entirely assimilated. He's only like half assimilated, so he's like still human, but still part of the hive. I like that. It's like he probably has a lot of um, con- inner conflicts throughout the film of like which side do I want to be? Do I want to be with the Borg or do I want to be here with the people? With yeah. my biker gang. <laughs> he's got on one hand, he's, he has the Borg trying to get at him. At the other hand, he has Vigo, who is now a giant mushroom cloud, which means a nuke has exploded. So things have gotten, like, even worse in this post-apocalypse society. I feel like we're right on the nose. <laughs> oh, let me look it up. Manborg is a 2011 Canadian film. The plot, Count Draculon and his Nazi vampire forces seek to take over Earth during the Hell Wars. A soldier is killed attempting to fight the Count, then transformed into Manborg after his body is fitted with robotics. After Manborg becomes active in Mega Death City, (laughs) (laughs) he meets with resistance fighters against Count Draculon. Uh, Justice uh, is a gunfighter who resembles Billy Idol with an Australian accent, who is joined by his sister Mina and martial arts expert Number one man. Yeah, that that's where that ends. Uh, but it was... So we were right on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> Count Draculon. I love it. Draculon is crazy. In Megadeth City. I need to see this movie now. Uh, it's probably terrible, but now I want to see it. it. It might be one of those where it's like intentionally made to be that way. To make you laugh at how horrible it is. Yeah, it was made in 2011, so it's kind of giving like... Uh, what do you call it? Like Sharknado vibes. 
Ah. Where it's like they know they're making it ridiculous, but yeah, no, yeah. literally. You know what I just saw um, recently that's very similar to that is um, Adam Sandler's Little Nicky. <laughs> yeah, I think that about covers the entire episode. Is there anything you would like to plug? Any projects you're working on? Social media? I mean, if they want, they can follow me. My Instagram is Krista with four A's, followed by the letter K. Um, I'm not really a big social media person or anything. I just I'm a I'm a nerdy girl who. Likes movies, likes musicals, um, loves Glee, and loves her dogs. <laughs> nice. All right. Thank you for having me, though. This is a lot of fun. Of course. Thank you for joining us. And for all of you at home, I hope you're not just entertained, but somehow reborn together.